good morning, church. Uh, certainly excited to be able to worship together and to spend some time in the Word this morning. Uh, we are in the middle of a series right now through the Gospel of John called Come and See. We're exploring the invitation of Jesus to all those who would follow Him or consider following Him. Uh, we're here to explore His life and what that means uh, for us today. So if you have a Bible, I would invite you to open it to John chapter number 4, the Gospel of John chapter number four. We have been studying through an encounter that Jesus had in John chapter four with a Samaritan woman, with the woman at the well. I've certainly enjoyed the last few weeks as we've looked at what happened and what Jesus said to her and the experience that she's had. In fact, we've learned a lot of valuable things about Jesus, and we've learned a lot of valuable things about our, not just hers, but our relationship with Jesus. We learned in the very beginning of this uh, encounter that Jesus is the ultimate game changer. If you remember from the beginning of this encounter, Jesus was heading through Samaria and his disciples were sent. He was tired and hungry and so he stopped by a well and he sent his disciples into town to find some food. And while they were on their way, Jesus had a moment with a woman who had come to the well to draw some water. Jesus asked her if he could have some water from the well, and she questioned how he would get it and why he would ask her for the water and uh, what, you know, he could do to, to have water. All, he, she asked all kinds of questions when Jesus looked at her and said, if you, would, if you knew who I was, you would have asked me for living water. And uh, he began to tell her how he could change everything. In fact, we looked at that encounter and learned that there is no place bigger than Jesus. There is no person bigger than Jesus. There is no problem bigger than Jesus. He is the ultimate game changer. When he steps in, everything else changes. And then through their uh, conversation together, we learned what genuine worship looks like. We know that the woman went to the well to draw water, but she ended up at a worship service with Jesus from the well uh, to a worship service. He exposed her sin. He explored her seriousness about following him. He explained her situation and ultimate need for him above all things. And I thought as we went through that encounter that that is exactly what genuine worship does to us as well. When we encounter Jesus in worship, he exposes our sinfulness. He reveals to us our need for repentance. When we encounter Jesus in worship, he explores our seriousness in our relationship with him. Is he the one that we're actually worshiping or is there something else? When we encounter Jesus in worship, he explains our situation and our constant need for him. But listen, Jesus's encounter with this woman isn't over. There's more that happens as she begins to be changed by him. In fact, there are some noticeable changes that take place in her life because she's met with Jesus. Now, how many people in the room like noticeable results? Anybody? You like noticeable results. I am that person. I love noticeable results. I am extremely pragmatic. Here's what that means. If it works, then I like it. If it produces results, then count me in. But if it doesn't, I'm out. Don't include me. As a matter of fact, when I was thinking about this, it made me think about things in my life that I would never do if there were not noticeable results. Now, you probably have some things like this, but this is my list, so I'm going to share with you some things that I would uh, never do if there were not noticeable results. I would never work out 
if there were, noticeable, were not noticeable results. I would say no to the gym membership. I would say no to running shoes. I would forget any cardio workouts of any kind whatsoever. I would never eat healthy. I would never go to the doctor or the dentist. I would never do these things if there were not noticeable results. I would never cut my grass. I know some of you live for the third day of every week where you cut your grass. I hate cutting my grass. If it would not become a wilderness in my front yard, and if the HOA would not come by and tag a $1,000 bill on my front door for someone else to cut my yard, I would never cut my grass if there were not noticeable results. I would never wash the dishes. I would never do anything around the house if there were not noticeable results. Now listen, Kayla might tell you this morning that I still don't do much around the house, but still, if there were not noticeable results, I would never do them. I would never brush my teeth. That's right, I said it. I would never do it if there were not noticeable results. I would never take a shower. As a matter of fact, I hate those rare days where you got to take two showers in one day. That is ridiculous, right? Like I would never do that if there were not noticeable results. I would never get my hair cut. I would never stop to put gas in my car. I would never do any of those things if there were not noticeable results. In fact, listen to me, I would never work again if there were not noticeable results. I bet we can all think about things that we might never do if there wasn't noticeable results. All of us wanna know that what we're doing has a purpose, has a reason, has a result. Well, friend, I don't know if I can think of anything that has more noticeable results in my life than when I spend time with Jesus. Are you listening to me? I can't think of something that has more noticeable results. When I don't spend time with Jesus, guess Guess what? It's noticeable. When I do spend time with Jesus, guess what? It's noticeable. In fact, this encounter that Jesus has with this woman at the well teaches us a very simple truth. Here it is. Spending time with Jesus produces noticeable results. Let me show you what I mean. Look at John chapter 4. We're going to pick up reading in this encounter in verse 27. John chapter 4. Let's start at verse 27. Let's read what the apostle John wrote. Just then his disciples came back. Came back from where? Well, they were in town looking for food while Jesus was having a conversation with this woman. So his disciples had come back. And they marveled that he was talking with a woman, but no one said, what do you seek or why are you talking with her? So the woman left her water jar, went away into town and said to the people, come see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? Does that sound familiar? Come and see, come and see an invitation to encounter Jesus. Can this be the Christ? And so they went out of the town and were coming to Jesus. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, has anyone brought him something to eat? And Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Do you not say there are yet four months, then comes the harvest? Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. 
Already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life, so that the sower and reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored and you have entered into their labor. Meanwhile, once again, shift to the other scene. Many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. I want to read that to you again. Many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, it is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this is indeed the Savior of the world. Jesus, will you bless your word this morning? Father, we come to you now longing to spend time with you. So this time is yours. Speak directly into our lives. We want to hear from you, be challenged by you, be changed by you. Lord, will you use your word this morning to do whatever it is you seek to do in us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Listen, did you catch some of those noticeable results from this encounter with this woman. This woman spent time with Jesus, even just a little time with Jesus, and it left some very lasting, noticeable results. Matter of fact, I want to show those to you this morning. Noticeable results that happen when we spend time with Jesus. Here's the first one. Result number one, my time with Jesus focuses me on him, on Jesus, rather than myself. You see that? My time with Jesus focuses me on him rather than myself. Look back at verse 27. I'm going to show you what I mean. Just then his disciples came back. They marveled that he was talking with a woman, but no one said, what do you seek or why are you talking with her? So the woman left her water jar, went away into town and said to the people, come see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? Now we know what's happened already before this moment. Jesus's disciples went into town in order to find some food. And after they left, Jesus encounters this Samaritan woman beside a well and he offers her everlasting life. By the way, of all the conversations she's ever had around this well, I do not think this is the average daily conversation. Just before this moment, Jesus revealed to her exactly who he was. Back up a little bit. John chapter 4. Let me read verses 25 and 26. The woman said to him, said to Jesus, I know that Messiah is coming. He who is called Christ. And when he comes, he will tell us all things. Here it is. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Jesus reveals himself to the woman. The disciples show up with food from town. They are confused in this moment. They are wondering, why is Jesus talking with a woman? They are even more confused that he's talking with a Samaritan woman. Now, we've looked at the history and why this is important in their context and in their culture. It's for a couple of reasons. One, Jews didn't associate with Samaritans. So it's shocking enough that Jesus is having a conversation with one. Also, men at this time didn't associate with women in public. So it's like a double whammy, right? Like you shouldn't be talking with a Samaritan. You certainly shouldn't be talking to a Samaritan woman. So you understand in these moments why when the disciples came back, John would say they marveled that he was talking with a woman, particularly a Samaritan 
woman. Now, what's even more fascinating in the back of my mind is this, because the disciples are missing what's happening in the moment. They're more focused on themselves than they are with what's happening with Jesus. And it made me think, I wonder if the disciples had passed this woman as they were walking into town. Go with me for a moment. I don't know how many towns are around. I don't know if she could have came from another area than where they were headed. But if she was at the closest town and they were headed to the closest town, then when they left Jesus by the well because he was tired and hungry and wanted to stay there, although he knew he was going to have an encounter with this woman, right? That's why he was there. That's why he had to go to Samaria. But when they left him and they went into town to get food, did they encounter this woman themselves? And if they did, did they cross on the other side of the road? Did they try their best not even to make eye contact with this woman? Or did they treat her like Jesus treated her? Maybe this is why the disciples don't ask any questions. They don't ask, what do you seek? They don't ask, why are you talking with her? Maybe they're not asking it because they didn't respond to her the same way that Jesus responded to her. Maybe they were focused on something other than what they should have been focused on. It made me think about how much I focus on myself rather than focusing on Jesus and what he would do. Do I look at the events happening around me like Jesus would, or am I focused too much on what I want or what I have going on that I miss what Jesus is trying to do? Now listen, the woman is very different than the disciples are. She can't think about anything else other than Jesus. They've got questions that don't matter. She can't think about anything other than Jesus. Look at what John writes about her that's different from the disciples. Here's what he wrote. She left her walk water jar and went away into the town and said to the people, come, see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? Now focus for a moment. She's made the long journey in the heat to get water that she needs for life. She came to the well at this time, probably most likely to avoid other people. Could be because of mistakes she's made in her past. Could be because of her situation. It's not like everyone else's. Regardless, she is in her own mind and probably in the town an outcast. I bet we all have some issues in our past. I bet we all have some situations that aren't like everyone else that make us, too, want to avoid certain people and certain places. Listen, she came to the well with her own purposes. She came to the well focused on herself. But don't miss this. She's running back to the place she's avoiding, to the people she's avoiding, in order to tell them about a person that she could not avoid. All right, backtrack. I don't think you heard that. She's running back to the place she's avoiding, to the people she's avoiding, in order to tell them about a person she couldn't avoid. Listen, she completely abandons the reason she came to the well in the first place. What was once things that she didn't want anyone to know are now things that she runs back to the town and tells anyone who will listen. I wonder if she talked about any of those particular sins. I wonder if when John wrote, come see a man who told me all that I ever did, if what was actually happening was this woman was sharing some of the details of her life that no one else could have really known. The details she so painfully avoided discussing earlier had now become a joy confirmation of her spiritual hope in Jesus. Think about it. 
The things she was once ashamed of were now opportunities to tell someone else about Jesus. Her focus was changed. The purpose and desire for water from the well changed after she spent time with Jesus. She don't even know where the bucket is anymore. She don't even remember she went there for water in the first place. She left it all to go back and tell people about Jesus. The insecurities that she had for staying away from others changed after she spent time with Jesus. You say, why? Because my time with Jesus focuses me on him rather than myself. Now, side note, for anyone here this morning that hasn't had a, a, a well encounter with Jesus. Now, I'm, I'm talking about a moment where Jesus revealed himself to you, where he convicted you of the sin in your life. I'm talking about a moment when the Holy Spirit of God impressed on your heart to surrender your life to Christ. If you've never had that moment, then maybe this morning can be that morning where your focus changes from yourself to Jesus. In fact, the, the living water that Jesus offers this woman, he offers to everyone today. He offers new life in Christ if you would simply ask him to be your Savior and Lord, if you would confess your sins in genuine repentance and ask Jesus to save you. Friend, listen, we're all like this woman that Jesus has encountered. We're all in need of something that we can't provide for ourselves. We might be trying to satisfy our lives. We might be trying to satisfy our soul's cravings with all sorts of things. However, none of them will satisfy. You want to know why? None of them will satisfy. You want to know why? Because none of them are Jesus. They won't. You can try. You can try again. You will continue to strike out until you fill the void that can only be satisfied by Jesus. You say, Danny, why? Because if you look back, way back in the beginning of the story, you know what we learn? We are all sinners in need of a Savior. The Bible teaches us that from the very moment that man stepped into sin, we have forever been in it. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. You know what that means? It means that we deserve to be punished because of our sins. It means that we have a debt that we cannot pay. The wages of our sin is death. The only way those sins can be accounted for is if we pay that debt. But God made a plan, right? We could never be good enough. We could never fit up uh, to, to his standards. We could never be perfect enough. And so we've got two options. We can die and take the penalty of sin in all of eternity separated from God. Or he could make another way, and he does. He sends Jesus to be our substitute. He sends Jesus to die where we should have died. God loves us so much that he sent Jesus to take our place so that he could offer us living water that we can't find anywhere else. He died for our sins so that we could have everlasting life. Life. In fact, he tells us this in the previous chapter in John chapter 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Even though the wages of sin is death, even though that is our debt, we don't have to die. Instead, the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Friends, the clearest way to understand this is what the Apostle Paul wrote to the church of Corinth in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. Here's what he wrote. 
For our sake, he made him, he made Jesus to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Danny, you're saying Jesus offers me a sinner living water? You don't know what I've done. You don't know where I come from. Danny, there's no way this can be true, friend. It is. I know it seems too good to be true. I thought the same thing, but it is true. Okay, Danny, how? How can I receive this living water? How can I become a follower of Jesus? Well, listen, it couldn't be more simple. Right now, right where you are in this building today, you can surrender your life to Jesus. You can allow him to change you forever and give you everlasting life. Here's what the Bible tells us. Listen to me. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You catch that? You will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. The Bible goes on, listen to this, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Yes, it's that simple. Here's what you have to do. You have to confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. You have to believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. All you have to do is pray and call on the name of the Lord, and you will be saved. Can I tell you something, friends? For many of us in this room, this may be the moment where the focus leaves us and begins to be placed on Jesus. I could never walk, I could never follow after Christ until I first surrendered my life to him. That may be the case for many in this room today. You may need a well moment with Jesus. And let me tell you something, when we spend time with Jesus, I'm talking about meaningful time with him. Whether you're a Christian for the last 50 years or whether you've never surrendered your life to him, listen, when we spend time with him, it will change our focus from ourselves to Christ. For some this morning, that might mean giving your life to Jesus. That might mean asking him for the very first time to be your savior and Lord. For others, that might mean you need to start spending meaningful time with Jesus every day so that he can change your focus from yourself to Jesus. Friends, my time with Jesus, she shows us this, my time with Jesus focuses me on him rather than myself. Let me show you the second result that happens in this encounter, noticeable results. Here it is, my time with Jesus becomes a tool for him to reach others. My time certainly focuses me from myself to Jesus, absolutely. But my time with Jesus also becomes a tool for him to reach others. Look at verse 30, right after she goes to the town and she tells him, hey, come and see a man who told me all that I've ever done. Could this be the Christ? Here's what happens. Isn't it amazing? They went out of the town and were coming to him. They were going to Jesus by the word of the testimony of this woman. I love this moment. I love her testimony. She spent time with Jesus and from that time, it overflowed into her now, inviting people to come and see Jesus for themselves. Friends, that should be what all of us do after we spend time with Jesus. Don't miss this. Listen to me. God doesn't send a preacher back to that town. He doesn't select somebody, uh, lead them up, put them in the seminary, ordain them, give them a couple of trial runs somewhere, and after years of years, he's finally got someone who can go and present the gospel message. No, friends, he doesn't send a preacher to the town. He doesn't scream down from heaven with a booming voice. That might have been better, but he doesn't. He doesn't pull back the clouds and go, I am the Lord your God. That doesn't happen. He doesn't paint a sign in the stars. That would have been pretty neat. I will listen to God anytime he paints something in the stars, by the way. But he doesn't paint it in the stars. No, what does he do? He takes this woman from a well and sends her as a witness. That's what he does. Can I tell you something, friends? He's still doing that today. 
He's still taking people just like this woman, just like you, just like me. He's taking us from these well moments and he's sending us out to be a witness for his glory. The people she talked to in the town, they were coming to Jesus. The response is awesome. You want to know why? They knew this woman. They knew what she had done. They knew how she lived her life. They knew that she never associated with anyone. She was an outcast, but that's not what she looks like today. No, friends. She's running through the village, screaming at everyone to come and see a man. They wanted to know what changed. They wanted to find out what could make such a difference in someone's life. Can I tell you something? Listen to me. That's happened to me more times than I can even begin to count. People that I have known have noticed in my life that something is different. I've had them ask me, Danny, what's different? Why do you do this? Who are you today? I went from a dirty mouth to talking about Jesus. I went from drugs and abusing people to loving people in the name of Christ. I went from parties to church services. My life became less and less about me and more and more about Jesus. This is what John the Baptist reminded us of in John chapter 3 verse 30. He must increase, but I must decrease. You know, what happens? The more time we spend with Jesus, the more we want other people to know what Jesus is showing us. It overflows into everything in our lives. Friends, this is still true in my life today. What I share with others is simply what Jesus is doing in my life. And when we share what Jesus is doing in our time with him, it's amazing how much they want to spend time with Jesus too. You know what I think about? I'm instantly reminded about a moment in Mark chapter 2. It's when a group of guys heard about Jesus, and what they do next after hearing about Jesus is incredible. It's in the beginning of Mark chapter 2. Here's what happens. It says, and when Jesus returned to Capernaum after some days, it was reported that he was at home. Shocking. Someone tells other people about Jesus. And many were gathered together so that there was no more room, not even at the door. And he was preaching the word to them. And they came, bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. And when they couldn't get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when they had made an opening, they let down a bed, which the paralytic laid on. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. Now listen to this. I don't know who it was that reported about Jesus. It doesn't matter about who reported. It matters who we're reporting about. Amen? It matters about Jesus. I don't know who they were, by the way. I don't know the four men that carried this other guy to Jesus, but here's what I do know. When people have spent time with Jesus, they can't help but report that experience to others. What I do know is when we've encountered Jesus, the one who can change lives, we want to bring people to him as well. Here's what else I know. When I spend time with Jesus, I'm talking about meaningful time with Jesus. That time becomes a tool for Jesus to reach other people. That becomes a testimony for people to hear about Jesus. Friends, listen to this. What would happen? What would happen to Saltillo? What would happen to Lee County? What would happen to the world if people who spend time with Jesus began to share that with people who don't? What would happen if my time with Jesus became a tool for him to reach others? Now listen, another little side note. You ready? This one kind of stings a little bit. My time with Jesus can only be a tool for him to reach others if I actually spend meaningful time with Jesus. Where you at today, Christian? Where you at today, Jesus follower? Do you spend meaningful time with Jesus? 
Let me show you a third result. Result number three, my time with Jesus leads me to live by God's will, not mine. My time with Jesus leads me to live by God's will, not mine. Look back at verse 31. Meanwhile, I feel like on another planet, the disciples were urging him saying, Rabbi, eat. All they can think about is the food. They went to the town because Jesus wanted them to collect food. He was hungry. That's why they were gone. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, here's the confusion. Has anyone brought him something to eat? And Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Can you imagine how confused the disciples must have been when Jesus, the one who sent them into the city to get food, doesn't want any of the food they brought back? They want to know, did somebody bring him food? They didn't understand. They were missing it just like this woman did when Jesus said, I will give you living water. They were missing what was happening spiritually. As a matter of fact, Jesus makes a similar statement when he's tempted by the devil to turn stones into bread because he had been fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. The devil came to him, and here's what he said. He said, if you are the son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Jesus was clear. His goal was this, to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Can I tell you something, friends? That's not just true of Jesus. This should be true for all who follow him. We should also want to do God's will and to accomplish whatever work he has for each of us to accomplish. In fact, when we spend time with Jesus, it will lead us to see God's will for our lives rather than our own. It will then result in doing God's work and what he wants us to do. So think about this. What does God want from your life? How does God desire to use you? Do you ever even stop to ask God what he wants when you make decisions for your life? Do you ever ask him how he wants you to accomplish his work through your life? God has placed you where you are so that you can be his hands and his feet. You're in this community to accomplish his work. You're in this church so God can use you to serve others. How are you allowing him to use you for his will and his work rather than your own? Friend, Jesus' goal was not to get or do whatever he wanted. It was to serve God. What about you? Do you think that you have that job just because it pays the bills or just because it fills up your day? Or might God want to use you in that place to reach someone? Do you think your kids are in those activities by chance? Or could it be that God's placing you around those people to reach someone? Do you think you live in that neighborhood simply because that's the only house that you could afford? Or do you think that God has placed you there to reach someone? Friend, listen, the more time I spend with Jesus, the more I realize my life should submit to God's will and his purposes, not mine. Let me show you a fourth result of my time with Jesus. My time with Jesus pushes me to plant and harvest. My time with Jesus pushes me to plant and to harvest. You say, Danny, what do you mean? Well, look back at verse 35. Jesus continues, do you not say there are yet four months, then comes the harvest? Look. I tell you, lift up your eyes, get the focus off of yourself and see that the fields are white for harvest. Already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal 
life. Jesus uses the metaphor of farming to draw their attention to what happens when we allow our time spent with them to impact people around us. He reminds them about the times between planting and harvesting. There's a time to plant the seed. There's a time to harvest the crop. Now, listen, you may not know much about farming, but can I tell you the truth? Jesus isn't really talking about farming. No, no, no. He tells them to look. He tells them to lift up their eyes. You know why? Here's why I think he's telling them that. You know what they're lifting up their eyes to see? They're lifting up their eyes to see all those people from the town coming to Jesus. You know what he's given us a picture of, friends? All the people in Saltillo, all the people in Lee County, all the people across the globe who need to meet Jesus. Friends, listen, we're either planting or we're harvesting. Everything we do, Jesus is using us in one of those two ways. He wants all people, not just this woman, not just you, not just me. He wants all people to experience the living water, to be changed by Jesus, the only one who can satisfy the deepest cravings of their souls. It doesn't matter if you till, doesn't matter if you plant, doesn't matter if you harvest. The point is that you're working toward the transformation of lives. Can you imagine? Can you imagine a day of judgment when millions of souls are standing before God and they tell him that no one has ever told him the truth? Can you imagine them saying that no one ever told them about Jesus? And to make it worse, let's say you're standing there and some of the people that you see giving that answer are people that you know, that you see every day, that you never told. Friends, my time with Jesus should push me to plant and to harvest. It should push me to be passionate about what Jesus is passionate about. It should be overflowing to the point of impacting the people that God has put around me. Now listen, don't overthink it. Don't make it harder or more complicated than it has to be. This woman spent time with Jesus and it impacted her life to the point that other people wanted to go and see what happened. Other people wanted to know who she knew. This will be the same with us. Spend time with Jesus and let it overflow to others. Let me show you the fifth result. By the way, it's the last one. Hallelujah. My time with Jesus changes more than me. Isn't that amazing? You say, Danny, I thought I was trying to spend time with Jesus to make me better. No, you know what, friends? It never really has that much to do with us. It always has to do with what God's working in us so that he can work through us. Look back at verse 39. Many... Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. Hey, can I ask you a quick question? How many people do we know that say they know Jesus because of your testimony? How many people in your life have come to faith or following Christ because you're the one who shared Jesus with them? Many from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay. And so he stayed and many more believed because of his word. So they said to the woman, I love it. It is no longer because of what you said that we believe for we have heard for ourselves. And we know that this is indeed the savior of the world. Now, just in case you missed it, listen, many Samaritans from that town believed in Jesus because of the woman's testimony. When our time with Jesus spills over in every area of our lives, it just might impact more than ourselves. Through what Jesus is doing in us, through our testimony, people's lives might be forever changed. There's so many relationships we have. There's so many open doors to share what Jesus is doing in us. Think about how much that might impact the people around you. Are you allowing your time with Jesus to impact more than just you? If so, or if not, How? Why? 
Jesus wants to change more than just you. Listen, friends, I'm a big fan of noticeable results with pretty much everything in my life. If nothing happens, nothing changes, then I don't want anything to do with it. Friend, there's nothing more noticeable than when I spend time with Jesus. So can I ask you a question? Do you? Do you spend meaningful time with Jesus? Because when you do, Jesus will become your focus rather than yourself. Your life will become a tool for Jesus to use to reach others. You'll seek God's will above your own. You know what happens when you spend time with Jesus? You'll be pushed to plant and harvest. You'll be pushed to share Jesus with other people. How could you not? When you spend meaningful time with Jesus, he will change more than just you. I love this encounter with this woman. You want to know why? It's really not about her. It's about what happens when people who encounter Jesus begin to worship him with their lives. So can I ask you a couple questions this morning? I wonder if you're here this morning, you say, Danny, I've never had one of these well experiences. I don't know what it's like, like this woman who encountered Jesus and left there with living water. She went for one thing and left with something completely different. She went to a, a well and left from a worship service. Listen, that might be you today. Jesus might be saying, hey, friend, I want to change your life forever. If that's you, can I just remind you of something? I got two things for you. One, you just need to receive Jesus. Listen, you don't need me. You don't need anybody else. You know what you need? You need to take a moment right now when we respond and just spend it with Jesus. You just tell him, Jesus, I know I'm a sinner and I need to be saved. Here's what you do. You say, Jesus, I confess my sins to you. I want you to forgive me for everything that I've done. I know you died in my place. I know you rose again. I know you live today so that I can have everlasting life. Will you just ask him to save you as you confess your sins to him? There's no special words. I don't have something for you to read off of a sheet of paper. This is just you and Jesus. Maybe today, friend, that's you. And you need to respond by giving your life to Christ. Maybe you need to have a well moment today. But can I give you another option? Maybe you say, Danny, I'm still just not really sure. Well, listen, I'm gonna be right back there in that lobby in the next few moments. I'd love to take this book. I'd love to take my Bible, show you exactly how you can begin a relationship with Jesus. If you need me, listen, when we respond in just a moment, we're gonna sing, we're gonna close out our time together. We're gonna go about the rest of our week like we always do. But before that happens, if you need Jesus, will you find me back there? I'd love to take as much time as it takes to tell you about how you can begin to walk with Jesus. But here's what I know. There's a lot of people in this room, you've already had a well encounter with Jesus. As a matter of fact, you probably have many. There's been many moments where Jesus has revealed something new to you that needs to change, that needs to be different. Plenty of genuine worshipful moments where you've been changed as you've encountered Christ. But just maybe you're in here today and Jesus is trying to remind you that you're a long way from that well. <laughs> He's trying to remind you that you're a long way from the last time you were serious about your walk with him. Well, can I just invite you into something, Christian? Listen to me. Maybe Jesus is not changing you. Maybe he doesn't have the impact on your life that he wants because you can't remember the last time that you spent meaningful time with him. Listen, there are noticeable results when we spend meaningful time with Jesus. Could it be that you haven't been spending meaningful time with him? Listen, I invite you also to respond today. Maybe you need to repent. Maybe you need to confess something. Maybe you need to get serious about your walk with Jesus. Whatever it is, listen to me. He gives us the same invitation he gave her. He is there at the well, longing to give us living water, the cravings of our soul. 
Why would we look anywhere else when Jesus freely offers himself? Friend, maybe today you need to take a moment and come back to the well. Let's respond.